text for this evening's meditation is from Matthew 26, these words. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. So our text, you may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, actually, actually what Jesus said was, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But of course, Jesus was not talking about the temple in Jerusalem, but the temple which was his body, as the Gospel of John tells us. And it's not like, it's not like the temple authorities, the Pharisees and others did not understand this. Now the disciples of Jesus, they didn't understand it at the time, only grasping it, we are told, after the resurrection. The chief priests and the Pharisees, however, are the ones who went to Pilate after the crucifixion and said, Sir, remember, we remember that this imposter said while he was still alive after three days I will rise therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first so you see the chief priests and the Pharisees did know They did know that Jesus was speaking about his body. And they did know, the chief priests and Pharisees, that Jesus prophesied his resurrection from the dead after three days. So what then was going on at that trial? The trial of Jesus. Well, deliberate false witness to begin with. The false witnesses asserting that Jesus said he was going to destroy that temple there in Jerusalem. But there was also, upon hearing the false witness concerning Jesus, deliberate false hearing, false understanding on the part of the high priests and the Pharisees. Sure, they knew that what the false witnesses said was not true, But certainly what they did say about Jesus, those false witnesses, could be used for the desired political goal of the high priests and the Pharisees, and that is the crucifixion of Jesus. So they went with it. The theme for this evening's meditation is a return, is a return to the Lord from false witness. From the times that we ourselves have been false witnesses, have said things that are sort of true, said things that are kind of true. And we could also add to it the times that we have willfully believed what is not true or sort of true or kind of true because what has been said fits our purposes. How serious is this? Well, we have a commandment dedicated to it, don't we? The eighth, there we are again. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, or in a more more modern translation, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor. Betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Yeah, 
Yeah, so our old Adam can respond when it hears the Eighth Commandment and meaning. Sure, I like to bend the truth every once in a while, and yeah, I don't mind it if others do, as long as their truth bending kind of suits my purposes. So what's the big deal? It's not like I'm killing anyone. And I suppose that's how we think about false witness in general, don't we? Sure, if we're not in court and someone's life's not on the line on the basis of our testimony, that's one thing. But the rest of the time? The rest of our life? The everyday? Is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth really that important? You know, I read a book, read a book on public speaking a number of times while riding buses to and fro in Germany. And one of the arguments the author of that book made, which I remember to this day, is that an assertion only has to have an element, an element of truth in order to be effective, that is, in order to be believed and used. That is, in order for my words to have effect upon the person to whom I'm speaking, they only need to be sort of truth or have an element of truth like the false witnesses at Jesus' trial who asserted that he said that he was going to destroy the temple in Jerusalem. Yes, Jesus had said something like that. Jesus had used the words temple and destroy and well, that was all that was needed. It does matter. It does matter, for if if you've ever suffered like Jesus because of the false witness of someone else about you, you know, you know that it is devastating, it is life-changing, it is life-altering. Yes, just a few words spoken falsely about us by the right person, and a job is lost, a friendship is ended, an opportunity eliminated, A child alienated, a spouse distanced, a position made meaningless, a place in a community, a group, a fellowship come to an end. I think everyone has experienced that in one form or another. That is the effect of false witness, the result of false understanding. And have we ever been on the giving end of such a Situation, Not defending, not speaking well, not using best construction. You know, the usage of words, especially words about other people. That usage, it's not child's play. It destroys and it crushes, or in other ways, drastically alters the lives of those around us. Just with our false words and our willingness to believe that which is not true, to assert our own purposes. Well, that's simply evil. Simply evil. So let us return to the Lord with contrite hearts, feeling horrible for the times we have been a false witness or willingly believed a false witness. And repent, asking our Lord and Savior Jesus to forgive our sins, our sins against the Eighth Commandment. And you know He will and He does forgive our sins, cleansing us from all unrighteousness with the the blood that He shed on the cross for just such sins. Sins that he, Jesus, is so well acquainted with, right? For it's just such Eighth Commandment sins, false witness, willful belief of false witness that placed our Savior on the cross. 
isn't it? And as we ourselves have suffered from such false witness, how can we not shudder in horror at our own desire to speak in such a way or believe such speech to suit our own means? We should simply be appalled, appalled at ourselves. But then again, we're surrounded, surrounded daily with all sorts of assertions. Assertions and advertisements, assertions on the news, assertions of friends, assertions of family members, which knowingly or unknowingly are not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, but so often are simply sort of true. So what can we do? Confessing our own sins in this regard, knowing that our sins are indeed forgiven through faith in our Savior, So we need not defend ourselves, we simply can forgive ourselves. We can learn. We can learn from the example of our Savior Jesus. When when Jesus was confronted with the false witness of Satan, for example, in the wilderness, how did he respond? How did he respond? Well, Jesus responded to the sort of true statements of Satan with the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. The holy word of God. And that's certainly what we can do as well, establishing what is true with the person with whom we are speaking. But in order to do that, we, of course, have to know. Know the Word of God. And if we don't know the Word of God, when faced with some sort of assertion or innuendo or leading comment, we have to have the guts to say, I don't know. I don't know. Now, that seems like somewhat of a cop-out, doesn't it? Something you really don't expect to hear in a sermon, but by saying simply, I don't know, what are we doing but stopping, possibly, and perhaps even probably, the destruction of another person by what is being said to us about them? I don't know, to a certain extent, therefore is free. It relieves us from the responsibility and temptation of disseminating false information. Yes, we like to think we can respond to everything that we hear, but so often when we really don't know what to say, we make something up, and what we make up is not really that helpful at all and can perhaps even be harmful. Of course, there is another method our Savior used, and that is silence, right? Perhaps you've been confronted in the past, gotten into a an argument of one sort or another, and as it escalated and more and more things were being said, things that were not even sort of true, but barely on the fringe of truth, you resorted to silence. You were forced to silence. For what could be said? What could be said in such a situation? Nothing, nothing at all. How can any of this be done, though? How can it be done? How can we strive to live more like our Savior when it comes to our usage of words and our understanding of them? Well, it has to do the fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ working within us to make us more patient, more kind, more gentle, have more self-control when it comes to what we say and what we hear being said. Such patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, it's needed, isn't it? Especially when things being said seem not to have even an element of truth not be even sort of true. It's after all the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, which would work daily to make us more and more like him. So let us return to our Lord and Savior Jesus from our false witness, our false speaking, our false hearing, speaking the truth, relying upon and believing the word of God, and and even, if need be, 
remaining silent when nothing can nor should be said. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We rise and sing the canticle.